happy Memorial Day, everyone. And um, we honor those who have served this country. You know, Memorial Day is on Monday, and it honors the sacrifice of those who have sacrificed for this country, right? And I, I, I found this picture. I, of course, I love eagles anyways, but I, I, I found this picture and had to, had to use it as the backdrop because honor, to honor someone is to humble yourself before them, to, to lift them up. When we honor God, we lift him up, right? Well, when we honor those who have sacrificed, we lift them up because of their sacrifice. We lift them up because of what they gave. We have had just hundreds of thousands over the course of the life of this nation give their lives for this nation. And we honor them today. But we also honor those who sacrifice for the gospel. And by the way, I'm not talking about people in full-time ministry. In, in fact, you, you have to remember where I come from. I, I come from, from 50 years of, of being in your seat. And those are the people that sacrifice for Jesus Christ, that lift up the name of Jesus Christ, but real sacrifice. I mean, there, there are people that that give everything for him. So as, as I was you know, looking at this picture and thinking of Memorial Day, and, and I, I mean, that's, that's not what I'm preaching on, but I wanted to make mention and honor those who sacrificed for this country, but also those who sacrifice for the kingdom. They're to be honored. And it doesn't matter their position. They're to be honored simply because they gave. And um, it's interesting how, how the Lord talks about honoring them, and yet it's the greatest thing in the world. It's the, the, the person who honors Jesus Christ gets the greatest reward. Even though he honors those people, they get the greatest reward in being close to him and in, in, in being positioned with him in this place of intimacy, right? So, um, so I, I, just, I just wanted to mention how thankful we are for those who have sacrificed for this country and those who have sacrificed for the gospel. We thank you for that. We thank you for what you do every day. We're going to continue on in this series, and <laughs> it's interesting to me because, and I've said this before, but <laughs> I told Alexis last night, I said, I said, well, tomorrow may perhaps be the first sermon I preach that's 20 minutes long, because I truly do, ha do not have any idea what God has for me tomorrow morning. I, so much so, I had to do the bulletin ahead of time, and, and you know, I need to send it to have it printed, and, and so I thought, well, I'm really not sure what to use, so we'll just, we'll just continue with this theme, and we'll see what God has this morning, because I know it's about unity, that much I know about, 
But what he has laid on my heart this morning is something much more than that. And, and, and I want to be transparent with you because from the beginning of this journey with me, okay, all the college young people know this. Back two and a half years ago when, when I began this journey of intimacy with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, I promised him one thing. Right? You guys can tell me if, if, if you don't remember, if you do remember. I promised him one thing. In this journey of me seeking out intimacy with Jesus Christ, I promised them I would be transparent, no matter what I was going through. No matter the good, the bad, the ugly. Right? I promised you that I would be transparent. And, and to me... It's important that I do not stop that process. Why? Because I was where you were. In, in terms of being on that side of the pulpit, if you will. I, for years, was where I would, I would get my intimacy out of knowledge. Where studying the Word of God and figuring out what the Word of God said, and, and of course I loved prophecy, so diving into prophecy, the more I could know and the more I could talk about what's about to happen, it makes me look smart and makes people listen to me. And that was really cool. So I studied it really hard. And I studied history. I, I, I studied the beginning. I studied Genesis. In fact, I taught Genesis, the first, first six chapters, and it took me two years. Just in the first six chapters. And, 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 I mean, it was awesome and I learned things. But it wasn't intimacy with Christ. It wasn't relationship with Him. It was to a level because I was gaining a knowledge of Him. But I was not becoming unified and intimate with Him in relationship. And there's a huge difference. A huge difference. So when, and I've told the story before, about three to four years ago, I began this process of, God, I know there's more. I know there's more because, why? Because I read it. I see these people in the Bible that you do these amazing things through, and, 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 and yet I don't see that in my life. You know, and not that he didn't give me a good life, I don't mean that. But I, I didn't see the closeness. You know, when I, when I read about Enoch, who, who was so close to God, that God just took him. I mean, how crazy is that? That you're so close to your Father in Heaven that He says, Yeah, yeah, just come on up here. You're up here most of the time anyways. <laughs> just come up and stay. You know, but, but when you start to seek that intimacy with Jesus Christ, th those things become real to you. That, okay, Enoch was a real person. Enoch was a real person who really loved God, who really let God do whatever he wanted to in his life. So, so I began to, to see that, okay, there, there's more to this Christian walk than just knowledge. And I'm not saying knowledge is bad. Because knowledge is what began it in me. And that, that craving for knowledge. But that's what it was. It was a craving for knowledge. It wasn't a craving for Jesus Christ. Although at the time, i got to tell you, I didn't know the difference. 
Because, see, I thought the knowledge was him. I thought the more I would gain in knowledge, the closer I would be to him. So, so as, be, as God began opening this process to me, because I prayed, <clears throat> and I remember doing it. I prayed. I remember when I began. I just prayed, Lord, I, I want that. As I read Acts, I want that. I look at Peter. I look at Paul. I want that. Now, I, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that we have what we have today. So I want that in today's day. I say I still want bathrooms. I still want things convenient to me. I still want my car. But I want that. Right? I want that intimacy that Paul had. Do you know that Paul, it was 17 years after he got saved, after he, on the road to Damascus, got saved. It was 17 years before he ended up going on his first missionary journey. 17 years. It was 14 years before he preached at all. 14 years of this training. 14 years of him going after Jesus Christ intimately. And I I look at that because you have to remember Paul's history. Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. So that 14 years wasn't about him learning stuff. It wasn't about him gaining a knowledge of, of, you know, better grasp on the Old Testament. Because remember, that's all they had. Right? It was him learning who Jesus Christ was and is and is now. It was him developing a relationship with him that was intimate. You know, so I, I look at this and, and, and I began, again, began praying, Lord, I, I want that intimacy. I, I want that when I, when, I read, when I read the book of Acts and, and, and I see that 3,000 people are saved in one day. I, I want that, God. I don't care if I'm the one preaching. I don't care. I just want to be there. I just want to be a part of it. I just want to be whatever you want me to be. Just give me the intimacy in you. So I began this journey, and I've told this story you know, many times. I began this journey, and what he began to open up to me is, is you know what, this is way more than knowledge. This is a relationship. You know, this is way more than, than reading a formula in the Word of God, and that formula works, which, by the way, it does. You know, the promises in the Word of God work. You pay your tithe, you give to God, you cannot outgive God, you receive. That works. By the way, that works even if you're not saved. Why? Because the formulas in the Bible work. However, that doesn't produce intimacy. It's not just what the Bible teaches in knowledge. It's how it's applied in our lives. So I I just wanted more. I wanted what I saw on the pages. And I began that process having no clue. (laughs) No clue where that process was going to take us. No clue what he was going to do with it. Why? Because I I didn't know how to hear from God. It was a one-sided conversation outside of what I would learn through his word It was a one-sided conversation. It was me praying to him and asking him to reveal to me. And then he would begin revealing in his word. 
But what he said to me is, you know, if we're going to have this relationship, okay, I got to show you that I speak in other ways too. I got to show you that I speak in intimate ways, just like if I were standing right there with you. And, and so, again, I, I began searching through Scripture and, and opening it up and praying for him to reveal to me more about that intimacy, more about how he speaks. And through the course of that, he began to teach me his voice. He began to teach me what, what the Word is saying in passages that I didn't understand before. He began to, to do a good work in me, as the Bible says. And we talked about that last week in Philippians, Philippians 1.6. You know, he that has begun a good work in you will continue it, right? He'll, he'll continue it until it's done. But what he needs is a willing party. So as long as we're willing to step, as long as we're willing to follow... He will always lead. He will never not complete that work. The only reason a work will not get completed in your life is if you step away from it. Period. He promises that. So for you not to believe that, that means you can't believe his word. Because he promises it. Philippians 1.6, he promises what he has begun in you, he will complete it. He will bring it to fruition. What he's doing in you is, is not only for the effects of what it's going to do for those around you and you, but it's really for the intimacy that he wants with you. See, he has to complete this work for us to have that intimacy. Why? Because a promise is not a promise until a promise is applied. You have to trust him. You have to believe him when he promises something. Otherwise, guess what? That promise means nothing to you. Because you're the only one that can allow him to do that in your life. God did not make robots. This is not iRobot 2.0. <laughs> he didn't make robots because he wanted love. And when God wanted love, he had to make a choice. He had to make a choice to give us a choice. See, love means that we have a choice. We have a choice to follow him, or we have a choice not to follow him. So he had to give us a choice. Well, that choice didn't just apply to salvation. That choice applies to every step you take in your life. Every step. Do I trust him on this one? Do I trust him on this one coming up? Do I trust him on that one? It, it applies to every single step that we take. But you know, in this process, he began to show me that you don't have to do this alone. I want to be, God was saying to me, I want to be an integral part of your walk. What you are doing there, and, and remember, at, at this time, I, I didn't know we were going to be starting a church. I didn't even know I was going to be you know, a preacher or anything else. I was a worship leader and loving it. I just knew that, well, we're going to have a college ministry. 
And that's, that's what God was going to do. So, so what, what he's beginning to lay out is say here, I have a helper that I'm going to send you that is already in you. But this helper is going to help you do what I'm calling you to do. I want you to turn. Let, let's look at this here. Uh, it's John, I think it's 14 or 16. Turn to 16. Um, John 16. Yeah, this is it. Okay, John 16. Jesus is talking about his disciples. And, and you know, it was interesting because <laughs> imagine, imagine you're one of the disciples and Jesus is telling you, I'm going to be leaving, I'm going to die, but by the way, you want me to. You know, how, how would you react to that? It's, it's like, wait a second, we, we gave up everything for you. You know, gave, gave, up, gave up our whole lives to follow you. And, and, and they're thinking, no, Lord, no, no, you, you, can't, you can't die and you can't leave us. He said, believe me, you want me to. Why? Because he will send a helper. Let's read in John 16. Let's start um, in verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And by the way, that's whatever he hears from the Father. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, meaning Jesus. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, what I saw in this is one, there is a helper sent to me in in the form of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sent to me personally. Me, Greg Twiddell. And this is where I was back then. That he's sent to me. First of all, he's in me because I accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, when we accept Jesus Christ, we are given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit becomes a seal in our lives. The Holy Spirit indwells our spirit. Okay? He indwells us. He is our guarantee, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, until we receive our inheritance, which is heaven. But it didn't stop there. Jesus said, I will also send you a helper. One that will help you, help reveal to you what's to come. Help reveal to you what God's will for your life is. See, because at this point, they, they had no idea. They just knew that, that this was the Messiah and, and everything's good and this is awesome. At this point, they had no idea what was coming. That's why Jesus said, there's a helper coming. So as I began to understand this a couple of years ago, I began to understand in Scripture that he opens himself up in ways I didn't know. He speaks to us in ways I wasn't familiar with. He gives us gifts to 
work within the body of Christ. So he begins showing me these things in Scripture. Nothing, nothing in me. He took the very way that I had been for 40 years, and he showed me that way. Why? Because that's, that's what I knew I trusted in. I knew I could trust in his scripture. And I asked him at the very beginning of this, Lord, I want everything you have for me. I don't want to be the block for anything, but I just ask two things. Just two things. Whatever changes you bring in my life, I ask you, one, you confirm them in the word of God because that's what I trust. I know that's your word and I trust it 100%. And I said, secondly, Lord, please teach me in a way that I could teach others because I'm going to have a lot of people thinking I'm whacked. Please. Because, why? Because that wasn't our history. That, that wasn't where we came from. So, so I prayed that and I began this process of studying. And the Lord showed me in the word of God this, this, you know, first of all, he sent the Holy Spirit to help me. He began to open up the word of God to show me his power. He began to show me his power. So much so that he took everything away. <laughs> right? It was a couple of months later that he said, get rid of your business. And I've told you that story. He said, get rid of your business. Get rid of every way that you can make money. And just trust me. Do you trust me? Now, he had been working on me for that for, for a little while, and twice before I said no. That didn't work out so well. You can't say no and then out of the same breath say, I want you. You can't say, Jesus, I want intimacy with you. I want to be your best friend. I want to speak back and forth. I want to hear from you. Oh, by the way, I can't do that. It doesn't work. You know, it's, it's kind of like Jesus is on the other side of a door, and that door's locked, and you're saying you're on, the, you're, you're on the one side of the door just praising him, Lord, thank you, I love you so much, I want, I want everything, I just want intimacy with you, Lord, speak to me, Lord, fill me, Lord, use me, Lord, do me. And he's on the other side going, seriously, you've got to unlock the door. I, I, I can't come into you because you've got the door locked. And that's in the form of something that you're not giving up. Something that he's telling you to give up and you're not. And nobody can tell you what that is except you. But I can tell you for me, I knew what it was. I knew what it was. And so May 15th, two years ago... We got rid of the business. And he said to sell all your major equipment so you can't go back to it when things get tough. So I sold, and the hardest thing was getting rid of my truck. I don't know why he couldn't let me keep the truck. <laughs> but I got rid of it all. Because I wanted him. I didn't care about anything else. He promised that I would always have a place to lay my head. And he promised I would always have food to eat. He promised that. He also promised that my daughter, who was a sophomore in college, or just going into her junior year, that she would be taken care of. 
He promised all that to me. I said, okay, I trust you. And so you would think that by trusting him, things would get better, right? Oh, now that I trust him, he's going to open up the heavens and he's going to just toss down the scrolls and say, here's what I want for you, just read, enjoy, eat it up, and it's going to be all good. Yeah, that didn't work either. That's not what he did. And you know what? I don't think that's what he did with Paul. Remember, it took Paul 14 years, 14 years to become intimate with him. But then look at what Paul did. Look at what Jesus Christ did through Paul. Was that 14 years worth waiting for? (laughs) Yeah. I think if you asked Paul, he'd say, sure, triple it. I don't care. I'll wait as long, if I have to do it all over again, I'll wait as long as it takes for him to fulfill his promise. So so we begin going through this process and God changed our lives. He took the very thing away from me that I loved the most. And that was, in terms of what I did, and that was worship. You know, the the church that we were a part of did not agree with with this new turn in my life and, and felt it better that I stepped down from my position. So he took that away. He took our church from us and then said, by the way, we, I want you to start a church. And it's not going to be in Colorado. <laughs> That's what I was hoping. I thought, I thought, well, Lord, if I don't have a place to lay my head, at least let me be in Colorado. I could be in the mountains. I, I don't mind sleeping on the ground there. I'm good with that. No, you're going to stay in Delaware. I know my wife is cringing. She, she, she's more like, let me be in New York City. Although she wouldn't, she wouldn't sleep there either. She, she wouldn't sleep on the ground there. But we had to trust him. We just had to trust in what he was doing. And we did. And, and so many people hated us for it. So again, you think, out of obedience, it's supposed to get better. What's going on? It's not supposed to be hard like this. Where do we get that? You know, when I read in the Word of people that were obedient to God with everything that he was leading, they went through hell. They really did. They went through tough things. And I don't know why we don't recognize that. Maybe it's the American society with our microwaves. You know, and, and well, two and a half minutes, it should be better. My food got done in two and a half minutes. Why not my life? But see, God doesn't work that way because he needs to teach us intimacy. We have to learn it. It's not something we can read about. And that's the biggest disconnect. See, you have to remember, I was from there. The biggest disconnect with intimacy with Jesus Christ is thinking you can get it from learning knowledge of the Word of God. You can't. See, there has to be application. And I'm not just talking about obedience. You know, I I tithe and, 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 you know, I don't do this, I don't do that, and I do this, I do that. So, 
So I'm following the precepts of the word of God. And then we wonder why things don't, why why aren't we close to God? It's because we don't accept, we don't receive the very helper that he wants to give us to show us who he is. And that's the Holy Spirit. We receive him in our heart when we accept him. But when he wants to take us out of our comfort zone, that's a little tougher. We, we, we don't receive that so well. And then when we do, it's scary. And then when we take a step and something bad happens, then we, oh, where, where'd I go wrong? By the way, that's an easy thing to do. We've been a church now for a year and a half. We're in the living room. It would be very easy to say we did something wrong. We have made a wrong turn and God's not blessing. But I want to encourage you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that is incorrect. He never promised us. Well, actually he did. In the word of God, he never promised us a specific thing. When you develop an intimate relationship with you with him, he begins to speak to you. He begins to reveal to you what he has for you. And yes, he has promised us unbelievable, amazing things. But yet sometimes we come to a place where it's just been so long. I, I've heard all the promises. I believe all the promises and... Well, Lord, it's been a year and a half. I mean, dude, that doesn't work in America. you got to step it up quick. Because here, we want things fast. Right? Here, you're judged on how things grow. You're judged on, on you know, what, what kind of assets you build up. Right? Not with God. See, God has all those promises for us, but there is only one criteria to fulfill those promises, and that's trusting Him, no matter what. Trusting in His timing. But it's so easy to get sidetracked. It's so easy to get discouraged when it takes time and and when He becomes silent. See, this is what we're going through right now. All these promises that he has said, and it, you know, if you were here the last two weeks, you know that I, I, I went out on the limb the first week. I went to the edge the second week. And then last week I jumped. Okay, this week I'm in free fall, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I will just say what the Lord has on my heart. <laughs> because it's about to happen. What the Lord has been promising us is about to happen. What he said he was going to do through ignition. All seven places in the world that he has called us. What he has promised that he was going to do in Newark. It's about to happen. And when I say about to, let me, let me just step even further out on that limb. 
It's about to in June. It's about to right now. What's about to happen is extraordinary. Why? Because we said yes. Now, I'm not saying it's not happening to other people. I don't know other people. God hasn't connected us with other people. But I know what he's doing here. And I know what he's promised here. And I've shared it with you before, but it's going to begin up in Philadelphia. It's going to begin at Children's Hospital on the fifth floor of the South Tower in those 24 rooms. See, it's going to begin there with a catalyst of a young man that has been sick for five years. That he has been at the point of death many times. That right now, he is sitting up there in bed number 17, room 17. His hemoglobin dropping again because he's bleeding internally and they can't get it to stop. All they can do is give him more blood and every time they do that, there is chance of his body rejecting it. He's in pain constantly. That same young man has amazing faith. And he texted me last night at 2.30. And I want to read you the text. I, I hope I have it on here. Because my phone's being used for Periscope. Um... Guess what? I don't. That's not going to work. Yes, it is on there. If you pull it up, look under Carson. I don't know if you'll be able to put it up on the board or not. But, but Carson, while she's looking that up, let me tell you a little bit about him. He's 17 years old. He got sick when he was 12. His twin brother, perfect health, Doctors have no clue why or how, how to fix it. He has seen the best doctors in the world. They have spent, I, I know, at least tens of thousands of dollars, and I think hundreds of thousands of dollars on him. He, he, he goes in and out of the hospital. This last time, he's been in the hospital now for about six weeks. And, and when I went to visit him the first time in the hospital this time, I felt the Lord tell me he will not leave that hospital until he's healed. That he will not go back home to continue this same cycle. And we began to talk about that. And it was interesting because he had, the Lord had given Bryn and his mom and dad the same word. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, we start talking about things that the Lord had showed them, and it was the exact same things the Lord had shown me. And over the last few weeks, really about the last three weeks, three or four weeks, God has filled in so many blanks about our calling as it applied to Him. Because I, I didn't understand the connection at first, although, you know, I mean, I've known His family for years. And, and, you know, 
I guess two years ago or so, I started going over to his house and we'd play games or we'd do this and we'd do that. But that, that connection got stronger and stronger and stronger. The Lord kept laying on my heart, go. Go. And, and you know, I don't know why, except that the Lord was doing it. Um, are you trying to find it? Is that under messages? No, I found it. Oh, you did find it. Oh, you're just trying to get it up there? Uh-huh. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, if you, if you can't, I could just read it at least, but... Uh, um, but what he began showing us both is how interconnected we are. And, and see, we had, we, I didn't know that to begin with. But what God had begun to reveal was that Carson was this catalyst for what God's about to do here. And, and so, so Carson has been very excited, to say the least. Okay, not, and not, not just, I, I want to be clear, not because I'm there and just, just telling them all kinds of things that you know, I think are going to happen. You have to understand the Holy Spirit speaking to him. The Holy Spirit is telling him what's about to happen. Things that I come and say are confirmations of what he and his mom hear of what's about to happen. But last night at 2.30, did you get it? Okay. <laughs> Extended out longer? Okay. Well, last night at 2.30, he texted me, and, and he basically said, and I'll read it here in a second, but he basically said, you've got to read this lady. This, he, he, his mother had, had connected me with this lady. Her name's Lana, and she's out of Australia and we don't know her, she doesn't know us, but, uh, but when, when he connected, when they connected me with her, just, and I mean just receiving her emails, um, it began to blow me away, and Alexis can attest to this, so can many other people uh, on Tuesday nights, because her prophecies that she would send out would use the exact same verbiage that we would receive in our prayers and that we would be praying or that I would be preaching or that I would receive from the Holy Spirit. I mean, I mean exact. And, and so it, it was like, okay, this is interesting because we also know that Australia is one of the places that we're being called to. So, so in this, we, we've, you know, we, we, I use her prophecies as confirmations of something that that the Lord has said. But if you don't have it, don't worry about it then. Okay, you got about 30 seconds. All right. we got it. And uh, this prophecy that, I, that I'm going to read to you in a second, the one he texted about, came in last night, a little after midnight, and I hadn't read it yet. Do you have it? It's been 30 seconds. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay, you you realize we're live on Periscope, right? Okay. Improv. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. He sent me this at 2:28 this morning. Oh man, Mr. Twidell, Lana's post tonight is a powerful one. It even mentions that God is revealing how we need to break through and has more about June and specific prophecy. The group that is praying for me, and that was this group back here, the group that is praying for me will definitely find encouragement and vindication in it. I am too excited after reading it to message you this, is, message you this at a reasonable hour. Sorry. <laughs> Let me know anything you think when you read it. Or if you have heard anything more. Well, when I woke up this morning, I, I got his text about 6 this morning, and I read it. And I want, to, I want to read it to you. Because I believe what he said is true. I believe it will be an encouragement. But before I read this, I want to tell you why. Perhaps you found yourself these last couple weeks in a battle. Perhaps you have found yourself being, being even, even to where you can't see where it's coming from, this fight. You find yourself in a fight and you don't, you don't even know where it's coming from or don't even know how to, how to deal with it. Because you don't, maybe you don't know its source. Maybe it's an irritation. I can tell you that, that we have had that. We have had that in our lives where, where things are happening and, and you're, you just don't understand. You don't even pay attention to it until all of a sudden it builds up to the point where, okay, that, that is something doing that. Okay, so there are irritations that come up in our lives where the enemy's fighting. Well, I want you to know this is for a reason. This is on purpose. The enemy has been fighting because something is about to happen. If you were on in, in a war... Right, And you could read the future of what's about to happen. Or you could read the battle plan of your enemy and see what they're about to do. Wouldn't you step it up as much as you could right before it happens? See, that's what he's doing. He's doing that on a grand scale worldwide because there is a revival coming. But he's doing that in ignition... And I would imagine if we went around to everybody and asked you how the last couple of weeks been, you'd probably say, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really strange, just these attacks that we've gotten. I've not really been able to pinpoint it, but, it, but yeah, we've, we've been getting attacked. It's because of what is about to happen, and I want to read this to you. The rumblings you feel, and this from Lana Vazer out of Australia, and it's so interesting. We have not met, but I swear she is in our prayer group every Tuesday night. We will meet. Lord showed me that. But, uh, but anyways, the rumblings you feel all around you is the transition of atmospheres and second heaven realms reacting to the moving towards an increase of acceleration being released in June. Prophets keep persevering. About a week ago, she had, she had said that things were going to start happening in June. Which, when, when she sent that, that was, again, that wasn't news to us. That was a confirmation to us. 
of what was about to happen and the timing of it. This is an intense moment in the spirit right now. The past few days, there has been an intense rumbling in the atmosphere, in the spirit realm. There has been a lot of rumbling opposition. But we do not focus upon what God is not doing. We focus upon what God is doing. I felt the Lord wanted to encourage those of you who have been feeling hit by the incredible rumbling that is taking place in the atmosphere right now. The second heaven realm is making a lot of noise. And that's, that's where the enemy exists. But that's because you are moving toward the month of increase and acceleration, which is June. The second heaven realm may be making a lot of noise and attempting to knock you out, but it will not succeed. Keep resting in him. Keep worshiping. The Lord gave me a vision today, <clears throat> which I believe is what he wants, he's wanting us to do. And that is to look past the rumbling and look at what he is doing in the spirit. In this vision, I saw a rocket and it was poised for takeoff. The engine had been started and the power and momentum was building. The power was building and I saw four shoots of fire coming out from the bottom of the rocket that was about to take off. Four representing a door. The door of increase is acceleration, divine breakthrough, opportunities, and positioning. It's about to be swung wider open in the increase in velocity in June. Stay in the place of worship. Don't focus on the rumbling noise in the second heaven. Look to Jesus and see the true reality. Firing on all four cylinders of acceleration and manifestation. You are about to take off to a whole new level of breakthrough, opportunity, and increase. Prophets keep persevering. Jezebel may have come after you, but another Mount Carmel experience is before you. The Lord has been speaking to me a lot lately about the opposition many of the prophets are facing right now. Jezebel attacks have been rampant. But I felt the encouragement of the Lord to the prophets to continue to hold on. Do not give up. Stay close to his heart. Keep per persevering and do what he asks you to do. Because he is with you. He is empowering you and there is a great grace in his authority that you have to overcome and get through. The attacks many of you are facing are making many of you feel like you want to run and hide. Do not do that. Do the exact opposite. Keep moving forward and taking ground. The temptation to stop speaking, the Jezebelic spirit is attempting to silence you. Keep speaking. Keep prophesying. The Lord is with you. He has his hand upon you. He is sending the ravens to strengthen and minister to you. I felt the Lord say this morning that many prophets are about to have another Mount Carmel experience. Where the enemy and the other demonic spirits have come against the prophets in accusation about who God is, his power, provision and breakthrough, what he has promised to do, attempting to bring deep discouragement, doubt, Fear upon the prophets. 
the Lord is about to show up powerfully. Prophets, right now it is crucial to be listening to the strategy of heaven. He is releasing heavenly wisdom and strategy to know how to break through. As you implement his strategy and wisdom, not only is he going to lead you into triumphant breakthrough, he is going to show up powerfully. The greatest vindications and demonstrations of his power are right now upon the prophets who are listening to his voice and putting into action the divine strategy of heaven. Where the enemy is attempted to cause you to stand down and it feels like you are about to a point of showdown, just, sh- just know that the Lord is about to show off. There is a mark of promotion happening in the spirit right now over many prophets. So the enemy is trying to take them out before they step further in. It won't happen as you listen to the Lord and don't give up. He has you covered. Wave of joy. Where Elijah defeated the prophet of Baal, prophets of Baal in scripture, but afterwards found himself in the depths of depression and discouragement, I felt the Lord say waves of joy. And I felt the Lord wanted to encourage the prophets to not expect another cycle of depression after a great victory but to get ready for another tidal wave of impartation of joy. Joy upon joy. And his joy will release greater strength to you that was lost in this battle. As the encounter I had with the Lord was ending, I heard the Lord say, My pure heart, or my pure hearted prophets, carrying purity, keep persevering, for you are meeting a point of greater promotion. So you have to understand God's perspective in all this. Because oftentimes we hear these things, or even the Lord may may talk to us about this increase, this promotion, and we apply it in a personal, physical way. Be careful to see the perspective that God has. See, God is not focused on this life. God is focused on what's coming. God is focused on when we are with him, when the bride is ready and he comes to take the bride. That's what he's focused on. That's why he's preparing the bride. He's preparing us right now. And as we, we talked about in earlier, earlier times in this series, Revelation 3 verse 9, If you believe the word of God, you have to understand doom and gloom is not coming for this world until we're gone. But there is a greater victory coming for the bride of Christ physically in this world. As a matter of fact, let's turn there real quick. Let's turn there. Uh, Turn to Revelation Because I think this is important to point out again and remind you. Revelation 3, verse 9. Now, I'll, I'll remind you verse 10. This is the letter to the church of Philadelphia. This is a letter to Christians. This is a letter to the body of Christ. 
In verse 10, he tells you, do not worry about this world calamity coming, this world judgment coming. You know, what the rest of Revelation talks about, what Daniel talks about, what half the Old Testament talks about. Okay, don't worry about the judgment that's coming on the world, because I will pull you out before the judgment. That's what verse 10 says. That's the rapture. That's when Jesus Christ comes, we meet him in the clouds, and he readies his bride, he takes his bride home. That's verse 10. Okay, but what I never noticed before, as I preached a couple of weeks ago, verse 9 has particular interest to me. Behold, this is before he takes the church out of the world. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, those who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. In other words, those who say that we believe in God, but they don't. Those who say that they follow a God, but they don't. They lie. I will take those people, the world effectively, And behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. That's extraordinary. Think about where we're at right now in the world. Think about where we're at right now in this country. Christians are persecuted everywhere. Christians are being killed over in Afghanistan, over in Iran, Iraq. Christians are being persecuted. But wait a second. Lord, before you take us out, you're going to show the world how much you love us, so much so that they bow down. So much so that they give honor to the church, even though they're not part of the church. That's extraordinary. Think about that. Pray about that because that's coming. And we're there. We're at the threshold of that now. What's about to happen in the world, what's about to happen in America, is nothing short of extraordinary. It is a revival that this world has never seen before. It's a revival that, that the world had not even seen in the book of Acts. See, because in Acts, they hated Christians. They killed Christians. They dispersed Christians. Nowhere in history has the world given honor to Christians as the body of Christ. But he's, they're about to. By the way, they're not about to out of being forced. This isn't a conquering like we're putting a gun to their head and say, bow bow down to the body of Christ. Because if that were the case, that would be opposite of everything Jesus Christ teaches in the scripture. See, the world is going to give honor to the church because the church is going to be in love with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is going to show his love through the church. So they're going to see love. How attracted are we to love? Think about it, even as a little kid. If your parents loved you, if your parents put out everything for you and and really intimately loved you, you're attracted to that. 
If you didn't have that or you had friends that did, you were attracted to those families that had it. You know, that, 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 that guy, his parents love him so much. You can just see it. You can see it by how healthy he is. You can see it by how loving he is. That's a loving family. And so from an outside perspective, you could see that. And you can see, I, I just want that. So you want to hang around them. You honor them because they've got something you don't have. Do you understand? That's what he's saying in verse 9. That's what the world's going to do here with the body of Christ. It has to. It has to before he comes to take us away. And now I believe, now I can understand what turmoil this world will be in when he takes the bride home. See, because he is going to put his, in some cases his people, but in most cases his authority, he's going to put his principles in places of leadership. And this is not going to happen slowly. This is going to happen quickly. This is going to happen quickly. This revival is going to begin. That's what I believe is going to begin in June. That's what I believe is going to begin on the fifth floor of the South Tower in those 24 rooms. See, it's not just Carson that's going to get healed, perfectly healed. It's every kid, this is children's hospital, every kid on that fifth floor south tower is going to be healed. And not just those kids. But this is a territory that is being taken from the enemy that will be held. This is a place that is going to have continued healings. And it's going to baffle them. So much so, doctors aren't even going to go up to the fifth floor. They're just like, if they have a patient they don't know what to do with, you know, I, I don't know, just get him up to the fifth floor. <laughs> Something happens up there and he'll be fine. This is going to continue on because it is going to spark the very revival we're talking about. What God has told us is going to be built in Newark is a very camp that will feed the world. Feed the world in people being sent out. He told us, and he, he, had, he had told me in a vision to take a 30, and I think I've explained this before, but to, to take a 30-mile line and draw out from Newark and make a circle. Because that was going to be his. And in that, he was going to cleanse that space. And in that space, he was going to train. He was going to train warriors. He was going to train people that will go all over the world for him, that do, will do whatever he wants. And, and man, I know I'm way out on a limb. And, and, and by the way, I get it if you don't believe me. That's okay. I, I've got thick skin. I'm okay. I say this not necessarily for you to believe me or not believe me. 
But when it happens, you're going to believe. You're going to see when it happens. It's got nothing to do with me, nothing to do with what I'm saying, but it's got everything to do with what Jesus Christ says and what he wants to do. So when you see these things happen, let him do whatever he wants in your life. Lay everything down for him, whatever he wants. That may mean change in your life. It may not mean change in your life. But what it does mean is intimacy in your life. Because that's the only way he can work. He wants intimacy with us. And that's what he wants to produce. Because that's the only thing that can spread. I want to I want to take you to one one last uh, one last verse here. Actually, no. You know what? Let me let me read something else. If we get just a minute. Let me read something else. Turn to Acts one. I want to I want to state this because this was one of my original prayers. I, I can't even remember like three or four years ago. When, when this process started for me, I was going through Acts and, you know, reading through and what, what the Holy Spirit did. And, and that's where I just said, Lord, Lord, that, why, don't, why don't we see that today? I, I want that. Why don't we see that? You didn't give us this book just to be able to see how great you were back then. But, but you want to do something now. Let's, let's, let's read. In verse, uh, start in chapter one, verse four. Now, remember, um, just to just to give you a little background here, the disciples had um, uh, Jesus Christ had died on the cross, rose from the grave, and he was with the disciples at this point. Okay, but he had already, at, when he was with the disciples, he had already breathed on them the Holy Spirit. They got saved, in other words. Remember, when they were with Jesus before he died, they weren't saved. They couldn't be until he died and rose again. So first time he sees them, okay, he, he breathes the Holy Spirit into them. So they have the Holy Spirit. But he's with them, and this before he ascends. He says this, verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. See, this is different than what happened to him before, because the word baptized there, baptismo, it it means a full immersion. When we baptize, which we're going to have a baptism coming up here pretty quick, when we have a baptism, we take the person, we fully immerse them in the water and lift them up. They're fully immersed. The water permeates every part of their body, right? That's what he's talking about with the Holy Spirit here. Wait in Jerusalem, he's telling his disciples. Wait there for me because I know you have the Holy Spirit, but what I'm about to send you is a full immersion of the Holy Spirit. I am going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit where you are fully immersed, where the Holy Spirit just just is ingrained in every crevice of your body. He fully is going to permeate your life. Wait for it. That was the tough part, by the way. See, and, and, and I've got to tell you, this is tough for me because I haven't experienced that. 
Having a gift, by the way, is not, and operating in a gift or having it happen, that is not baptism of the Holy Spirit. It can be, and it can be a result of that, but not necessarily. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit takes full control. See, I have operated in the gifts. I know I have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when we read here what happens, that's not happened to me. That's not happened here. But it's coming. And when I first prayed about this years ago, I said, I said Lord, why, why don't we have this today? And what I've noticed over the last year is that's what he's answering. That's what he's building up toward. Let's continue in verse 6. Or let's go down, verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, talking about when the Father would return. But then verse 8, he says, But you will receive power, dunamis, power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word upon is different than what happened when he blew the Holy Spirit into them. The Greek word there is upon, it's epi. It means to fall upon, to completely cover. Three, three times the Holy Spirit ha- has a preposition used in him. It's One is in, one is next to. This one is upon, where he falls upon us. And that's what about, what's about to happen. He falls upon in power. Now let's, let's go forward, go to chapter 2. Verse 1 says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. This was 10 days later. Jesus had already risen 10 days after he rose, you know, ascended into heaven. So they're alone. And suddenly, and they were waiting, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they, where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of as fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. By the way, that caused a ruckus. Because it said that everyone in Jerusalem came to see what was going on. And we see, if we were to continue to read, we see what the reason for it was. The reason for the manifestation was not for the sake of the manifestation. It was not for the sake of absorbing what he was doing for them. Why? They did not stay in the upper room. There were 120 of them up there, and it couldn't fit more than that. But yet we read later, 3,000 got saved. They had to leave. They had to leave that upper room. They weren't there just to experience what God had for them. They were there to be used by God in any way He wanted to use them. If If you follow Peter's life, this is the first time Peter preaches... And, and you notice a stark difference in his preaching. Why? He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's used as a tool of the Holy Spirit to do God's bidding. That's about to happen. 
If you let the Holy Spirit do in you what he wants to do, it's going to, yes, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to feel the manifestation, but it's not for you. 1 Corinthians 12, it said the gifts are for the body. The gifts are for the church. You know what? It's to bring on this very revival that is coming. What he's about to do with us is not to make us bigger here. It's to make him bigger out there. It's to bring on those who do not know Jesus Christ. So for that sake, we let him do whatever he wants to do. Now, I'm not pinpointing an exact date or anything. But I'm saying Pentecost is on the 12th. (laughs) June 12th is Pentecost, the Jewish Pentecost. So I didn't say that. You could back that up on the tape and take that off. But uh, take it for what you want. And truly, I'm not saying, I don't know when. I just know, I believe it's June. And I believe what he's going to do. He's given me so many visions of it. He's given other people so many visions of it. And what he is about to do is going to affect the entire world. You know, we, we, have, we have connections here with Nigeria. It's going to happen there. You know, Gwyneth is about to go to India. Leaves tomorrow or it's Tuesday? Tuesday. Leaves on Tuesday. Which, by the way, when we're done, I want to pray for her. But it's going to happen there. She's going to take that power with her. It's going to happen there. It's going to happen all over the world. And, and, and when it does, I want you to recognize, not that I said something about it, but the Lord is prompting you to be a part of it. He is prompting you to listen and be obedient. Because you're an integral part of what he wants to do. He desperately wants to use you in this way. But back to what I said at the very beginning, we have a choice. We can say yes or no. He will not force us. We can do what we want, even if we think it's what he wants. Or we can truly just put our hands up and say, whatever you want. That's where he wants us to be. Let's pray.